0: Okay, this morning, we're going to be here uh, in Exodus 17. We're actually going to move across uh, to a few places this morning, but uh, we're going to begin right here. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll start. Father God, we thank You for this opportunity to open the Word of God. Lord, we thank You for being here in our midst. Your Word says we're two or more gathered in Your name, that You're here. Father, we pray that You would minister to every heart. Father, You know the things that we go through. You know the battles we have. Lord, I pray that You would anoint the Word of God this morning to minister to every soul. Father, I ask for Your anointing to preach and to teach as You desire. And Lord, we pray for that anointing to receive what You have for us. And Father, we thank You for all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. 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 Exodus chapter 17 is a powerful chapter. We have in this chapter a revelation of God. Some of our Sunday nights we've been uh, talking about who God is. We've been looking specifically at some of the names of God. One of the things that most people don't understand, not only about the names of God, but about the Bible in general, is that unless God reveals to you who He is, He's so far above you, you'll never know. Unless God reveals to you who He is, you won't know. The the Jehovah names of God in the Old Testament reveal God's character and His attributes. He reveals specific things about God. It is one thing for us to read that God is our healer, but it's quite a different thing when God heals us when God heals us, we know that we know that we know that God has touched us. Amen. We've looked at a few of the Jehovah names of God. Uh, You know, Jehovah Shema, Jehovah Rohi. Um, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is there. This morning, we're going to be looking at Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi it is that God has revealed Himself as my banner of victory or my ensign. This is talking about who God is and how He's revealed Himself in this way. So, this morning we're going to be looking at a, a battle, a predicament that Israel found themselves in. Now, we know the New Testament tells us that the things that Israel endured were for our edification. It is an example to us in our spiritual life as Israel comes um, out of Egypt. It is a type of us coming out of sin, out of bondage to sin. But yet you find yourself in wilderness, which, hello, we're living in wilderness. Amen? Um, we're not home yet. We're not in the continuing city yet. Amen? Amen? We're looking for it still, just like Abraham was. But What we see in the life of Israel can be applied into our lives. And so, here, this is shortly after uh, Israel enters into not the promised land, but into the wilderness land. And into the wilderness land comes problems. I I know that you don't understand what it's like to have problems. (laughs) I know nobody here knows what it's like to suffer affliction, to be attacked. But there are some groups of people that do know what it's like to have problems. So we're going to be ministering about uh, this this morning, Jehovah Nisi, and how specifically we can understand something about God. Now, before I go on, let me uh, just help you understand this revelation, how it works. Just a brief moment. You remember whenever Jesus was talking to his disciples over in Matthew, and he said, who do men say that I am? Some said a prophet, some said Elijah, right? And Peter said something remarkable. He said, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Do you remember what Jesus said to him? He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But who? My Father, which is in heaven. God, the only way that Peter knew who Jesus was is because God revealed in his heart God revealed to him. He was seeking God. God revealed to him who Jesus was. Amen. Revelation it's revelation knowledge. It's Raymond knowledge. It's when the it's when the Word of God opens up and becomes real to us. Amen. Amen. And so. But before Jesus comes onto the scene, God is revealing Himself in different ways at different times to different people. And here in Exodus 17, we see one of those big, magnificent times. Now, the word Jehovah you find in your Bible seven times. Seven times. And so this is one of the uh, big moments where God is revealing Himself. Now, you know, God is omnipresent. He is omnipowerful. Uh, God is, you know, able to do anything and able to be anywhere. But there are seven specific times that God reveals himself in a certain way. And so this is a monumental uh, time. This is a monumental time whenever God reveals himself. So understand where we are now. Let's look down in verse number eight look in verse eight this is where we're going to begin at so exodus 17 verse 8. so just you know preface israel's in the wilderness how many of you know whenever we're in our wilderness experiences we do not appreciate people coming and taking our legs out from under us amen it's like you don't have to tell me i'm doing a bad job i already know it you know what I mean? You know how it is when you're having problems? You don't need people to pile on the gasoline. <laughs> well, here Israel finds themselves not in the promised land, but in the wilderness. And sometimes that's frustrating for us. It's frustrating when you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're promised an, an eternal future, which we have, and it's secure, it's in His hand, it's safe, but yet you find yourself in the world like we live in. Amen? Amen. Find ourselves facing battles we never thought we would face. Going through trials we wouldn't wish on anyone else. And so Israel finds themselves going through trials that they wouldn't wish on anyone else. And in verse 8, Then came Amalek. At the exact wrong time, the enemy comes and knocks on your door. But the problem is, he don't knock on the front door. You know, this is an amazing time, and and we're about to see a profound revelation of God. But I want you to see that in the the wilderness experience, the enemy comes, and it says, uh, Then came Amalek, and fought with Israel, and refed it. So Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out, men, and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So understand, we don't see the whole picture yet. I'm going to show you in just a minute what happened. But Israel was attacked. Blindsided. Attacked. And it wasn't until the next day that they actually began to go to battle. Sometimes it takes us a minute before we figure out we're getting whooped. And you better do what Moses did. He asked God. Amen? Before you engage in battle, you better ask God. And so, one of the things that I want you to see is that oftentimes in a believer's life, we will be going out doing whatever we're doing not realizing the enemy has already started attacking us. In fact, what he does is he will begin to uh, he will begin to attack in areas that you don't notice right away. He's not going to come at you head on. That's why it says that uh, you know it's uh, the enemy comes like a wolf in sheep's clothing. He don't come like a wolf in wolf's clothing. You you never have a false preacher in a pulpit saying I'm a false preacher. He's not going to come at you head on. He's going to he's going to circumvent you and try to go around. And that's why it's so important to know the word of God without the word of God. We're blind. So. um, So anyways, we see that there was something that happened. There was something that happened. Now, we're going to come back to that in just a minute. Um, But this part of this passage is powerful. It says in verse 10 that Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. It came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand Amalek prevailed. This is a type of intercession. This is what intercessory prayer does. This is when you want to see God moving, you pray. You want to see God you know, begin to advance the kingdom of God? Pray. And this is a type of intercession as Moses lifts up his hands with the rod of God, the people of God begin to prevail in the battle. You see your, your spouse, your child, your grandchild getting whooped? Pray for them. Lift your hands up to God for them. You have something greater than the rod of God. You are covered by the blood of the Lamb. You are redeemed by Him. You are purchased with His blood. You are adopted a child of God, an heir of God in Christ Jesus. You have something greater than the rod of God. You are the child of God. And so as a child of God, when you see your spouse, your neighbor, your child, your grandchild getting whooped, pray for them. Go to battle for them. Amen. Amen. Always remember that our battle is not with flesh and blood, our battle is with powers and principalities of darkness. Now, you know, my favorite uh, one of my favorite ministers, Leonard Ravenhill, you guys that know me, y'all know I say this a lot. He said that your battle, your enemy is not. Flesh and blood. If your enemy has a social security number, you have the wrong enemy. Amen. Amen. Your enemy is powers of darkness. And the only way for you to defeat powers of darkness is to pray to God. Amen. It's the only way. You're not going to defeat the powers of darkness by trying harder, by hitting somebody. You're not going to defeat the powers of darkness that way. It is by intercession. That God moves. Clearly, you see here, God's people prevail when God's people pray. Do you see this? Now, why don't we? Why don't we pray? We see our children being attacked on every front. From from spiritual attacks, uh, through atheism, uh, pornography, Through uh, people coming in and shooting the schools up, we see attacks on every front. And as the people of God, we need to pray for these children. Not only these children in these schools, but we need to be praying for our families, our co-workers. We need to be praying for our our church family. We need to be praying for one another. Somebody said, well, I don't have nothing to pray about. You know, all my family's gone on to be with the Lord. you got a church family here. they got families, and they need you to pray for them. Amen. Amen? People need people to pray. I wouldn't be here today if people didn't pray for me. There's a time in my life... Everybody thought I was a hopeless heathen. And I was until I called on Jesus. But I only called on Jesus because people prayed. softened my heart and I heard the gospel. And, And I'm no different than anybody else. Somebody, you might look at them and say they're hopeless. They're too far gone. They'll never get right with God. Well, I want you to know people said that about me and people probably said that about you. Don't give up hope on somebody. Pray for them. When when it looks hopeless, pray. Amen? And as Moses, you know this passage, as Moses lifts up his hands, God stirs on Israel and they begin to prevail. But what happens to the prayer warrior? What happens to you when you extend yourself? When you start fighting in prayer, what happens? You start getting tired, right? How many of you have, well, pastor, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. Huh? I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. And nothing seems to work. Nothing's changing. In fact, it's getting worse. As I start lowering my hands, the enemy starts winning. You need somebody to come next to you. You need somebody to come help you lift your arms up. Iron sharpens iron. You need to find some godly friends. You need to find some people that will light a fire in your soul. Tell you to get back in the fight. You need to find some people that will tell you to get back in the Word of God. To keep seeking, keep trying, keep pushing, keep praying, keep fighting. Hold on! Victory comes in the morning. Victory comes in the morning. Don't give up hope. Pray. Pray. It says in verse 12, but Moses' hands were heavy. They took a stone and put it under him. and He sat there on. So they... You know, that's pretty ingenious. Aaron and Hur stayed his hands, one on the other side, and one on one side, the other, the other. His hands were steady till the going down of the sun, and Joshua discomfited Amalek. I think that means he won. And his people with the edge of the sword. Now, God God gives Moses some instructions. Verse 14, Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book. You're reading it. You're reading what he wrote. Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under the sun. Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. God is our banner of victory. God has revealed Himself as our banner of victory. This is how God uh, revealed Himself to Moses and to Israel um, at this time. And so, this altar of God, this is where they made a sacrifice and thanked God, but what they called the altar was, You're the one who won the fight. We didn't win this fight. You are the one who won this fight. How many of you know what it's like to be in a fight? And God, you know, you know that you know that you know that if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have come through that battle. You know that you know that you know. If it was not for God, you'd be sunk. And and they knew it. As soon as Moses's hands came down, they started losing. And so they knew that unless God helped, they would not have prevailed. So here they see clearly that it is God and God alone who gives them the victory. Amen. God and God alone gives us the victory. Now, I want to show you something. Um, I want to show you what happened. I I told you on verse eight that Amalek came. Amalek came and fought with them, right? Right. I want to show you what they did. This is what the enemy does. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 25. Moses gives us a little bit more detail over in Deuteronomy chapter 25. Now, I know I'm giving you some Old Testament, but you'll be okay. In fact, we probably need to be more in the Old Testament We can understand more about God. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17. Deuteronomy 25, verse 17. So here we see this passage and God is reminding uh, Moses to remind the nation what happened. What happened between verse, you know, we read verses eight and nine. What happened? What happened? Because one day Amalek came, and then the next day Israel began to fight back. It says in verse 17, remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way, when ye were come forth out of Egypt. You just you just started trying to live right. You just started trying to turn over a new leaf. You just started trying to to pursue God deeper. You just started trying to go deeper in your prayer life, deeper in your study life. You just started trying to do this, do that. You just came out of Egypt. What happens? How He met thee by the way, and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou wast faint and weary, And he feared not God. What happened? What what did Amalek do? He snuck up behind Israel and he began to attack them from behind, which is the enemy's MO. This is the, the modus operandi for our enemy as he comes from behind in a sneak attack. And that is exactly what Amalek did to Israel. He came from behind to the hindmost and he picked off the weakest and the most feeble. That's exactly what he did. And so what the enemy does uh, in our lives, now some of you know this in First Peter, it says that the enemy, uh, he walks about, he roars, he seeks whom he may devour. In other words... The enemy looks for low-hanging fruits. He seeks whom he may devour. He looks for people who are neglecting their prayer life. He looks for people who are in active disobedience to God. He looks for people who don't know the Word of God. He's looking for low-hanging fruit. He's seeking whom he may devour. Now look, there is a bloodline that the enemy cannot cross. There is a bloodline that he cannot cross. We overcome because of our faith in God, in Jesus. And that bloodline protects us from every attack of the enemy. Now, what we need to see this morning is that we need to understand our enemy's tactic and we need to see who God is. Number one, our enemy's tactic is to attack us from the blind side in areas where we're not thinking about, in areas we're not looking at, and to know that that's what he's doing. He's walking about looking for a weak link in our chain. Amen? I don't like that, Brother Kenny. Neither do I. But it's who our enemy is. We need to stay on active watch, on active duty, looking out, watching over, making sure that we stay prayed up, make sure that we stay prayed through, and filled with the Spirit of God and with the knowledge of His Word. Amen. Standing on the promises of God. Amen? Amen. Now, when, when you get attacked by the enemy, most of the time, you don't really look at it in these terms. Most of the time when we get attacked by the enemy, we just say, man, it's been a hard week. Man, it's been a hard month. It's been a hard year. We don't look at it like the enemy has been pecking at our rear guard. He's been been coming after us in our weak places, in our hindmost places, and he has been methodically trying to wear you out. You need to get a revelation of who God is. That God and God alone is who gives you victory over your enemy. Amen. Not only over uh, your, your enemy with, that you see, but over yourself. biggest enemy you got is enemy. Amen. It's yourself. Amen? Amen? I love this said, you know, the, God is the one who's omnipresent, not the devil. There's only one of Him. Amen? Amen. That, hey, that's good. Thank God for that. So I heard a preacher say, you know, he's at my house so much, I know he's not at yours. <laughs> but we need to remember that a lot of times our biggest enemy is us. Our flesh. Galatians chapter 5 says, as long as you're alive in your body, how many of you are alive? Are y'all AI? Are you alive in your body? If you're alive in your body, the Bible says as long as you're alive in your body, you're going to have this battle between your flesh and your spirit. The flesh lost against the spirit, but praise be to God, the spirit lost against the flesh. It's Galatians chapter 5. And so we need to remember that there's always going to be a battle between your flesh and your spirit. That's why most of the time on Sunday mornings we could think of 10 other things we could rather be doing than go to church. Whenever you go to study the Bible or go to pray, you immediately start thinking of bills you got to pay or people you got to call on the phone. Your flesh don't want to do it, but you got to get your mind like a flint that you're going to do what you're supposed to do unto God, no matter what. Amen. No matter what happens, you're going to do what you're supposed to do. Let me show you something about the Lord. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah 52. Now, here in Isaiah 52, we see a a little fuller revelation of God. Isaiah 52. when when we're in battle when we're in battle if you will get this revelation that your god stands as your victor it'll change the way you fight you're not called to fight against flesh and blood you're not called to 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 go out and and you know do what the world does when it fights it makes no sense that God's people would stand up on a rock and lift His hands up while the battle's going on. That makes no sense. And sometimes when you're in a battle, you need to do things that don't make sense. You need to listen to the Spirit of God. And wage battle the way He tells you to wage battle. Sometimes He may tell you instead of fighting with your spouse, you need to pray for him. Well, that don't make sense because then she'll think she's always right. That'll never change. But what you got to do is you've got to pray for them, right? Your children, your grandchildren, you've got to pray for them. That's how you fight. It don't matter who who cooked first or who didn't do this first or who did that second. Who took out the trash, who did it. All that is is how the enemy gets you warring against one another or against yourself or against your family or against your church body or against your friends. That's how he does it. Well, they didn't call me, they must not like. Me. If somebody don't call you, pray for them. If somebody don't like you, definitely pray for them. Amen? Amen? All right. I know y'all don't know what that's like, but I. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 52. Let me show you a a, a little bit more about your victor, your God. Verse 11. Depart ye, depart ye, go ye out from thence. Touch no unclean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her. Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. This is your call. It is to be consecrated to God. Your call is to be dedicated to Him, set apart for His purpose. You do not belong to this world. You do not belong to the world system. You do not belong to the world. You belong to God. He purchased you with the blood of the Lamb. Dedicate yourself to Him. Consecrate yourself to Him. Live unto Him. Stop living unto this world. This world thinks nothing of you, will eat you up and spit you out and leave the knife in your back. And yet we still live for the world. What the world thinks of us. But God has called you to be separate, to be clean, and to be dedicated and consecrated unto Him. Verse 12, For ye shall not go out with haste, nor go out by flight. For the Lord will go before you and the God of Israel will be your re-reward. Now that word re-reward means your rear guard. That's what it means. It means that God will go before you and God will watch your back. This is a revelation of who God is For His people. He is telling you that He is the one who goes before you making the way in front of you. When you don't know the way, He's making the way. When you don't understand which way to go, He is lighting the path with the Word of God and with His Spirit. And behind you, God is protecting you, watching out for you when you're covered by the blood of the Lamb. Now here we see that God is not only the one who goes in front of us, but God is also our rear guard. And so God allowed Israel to be attacked from behind so that He could show them that He is the one who is fighting for them. Sometimes God will allow you to go through a battle so that He can show you who He is. Amen. That, that don't get many claps, but, but it's truth. God will allow you to go through some stuff so that He can show you what's in you and show you who He is. There are times in our life that we need to remember that it's not a cakewalk. We need to look back on all that Israel endured as they came out of Egypt. It was not a cakewalk. It was a wilderness experience. And until you get home, you'll always not be home. Amen. It'll always be a wilderness experience. Till you get home. Till God calls you home. Now, we're going we're gonna to move forward just a little bit. But in order to do that, we got to go backwards. So go, go, go to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. Now, what we're going to look at here, and and we're about to spring forward into our present victory. I want you to know that our victory comes through Jesus. Doesn't come through any other means, comes through Jesus. Our peace comes through Him. One of my favorite verses, one of my favorite chapters, 1 Corinthians 1. But Jesus has made unto us wisdom and sanctification and righteousness and redemption. Jesus has made unto us those things. Our peace comes through Jesus. Now here, we have a prophecy. This prophecy is speaking of Jesus. In in Isaiah chapter 11, in verse 10, it says, "In, In that day, there shall be a root of Jesse. This is speaking of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Jesse is David's father, and and, and Jesus is of that line. This speaks of not only His deity, but it speaks of His humanity, that He is both God and man. He is God Truly God. 1 Timothy 3.16 He is God manifest in the flesh. So He came through the line of David, the root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. That is, a banner. In fact, a banner of victory. Shall stand as an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek and His rest shall be glorious. This is a prophecy in the Old Testament that prophesied that Jesus would be lifted up. I know you can remember a verse in John chapter 3. He said if He'd be lifted up, right? He was going to be lifted up, and all men were going to be drawn to Him. In John 3, He said He'd be lifted up just like Moses, like they lifted up that brazen serpent on the pole. And all that looked on Him were healed. In the same way, Jesus would be lifted up on a pole. And, and here you have this prophecy that Jesus, this root of Jesse, would be an end sign, a banner of victory. You need victory, go to where the banner is. You need, a, you need victory in the battle that you got, the end sign is lifted high. The banner still stands Today. If any child of God has ever won a victory through Jesus, you can still attain it today because the banner of God still stands today. The banner still stands. The ensign still stands. The work that He did on the cross is still relevant today. It is the only way that you will ever gain victory in this life. Now, we see Jesus um, later on. We see Jesus in, in, in John chapter 17. He said that He was, uh, or would, that He did manifest the name of God to His disciples. You remember this? John chapter 17, I believe it's verse 5. Jesus said that he manifested the name of God to his disciples. That is God's name, where they only knew God by name. They only knew God through revelation. Now Jesus has manifested it or made it appear unto everybody. So when when you saw Jesus, you saw God. Is that not what he said? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Father. He has manifested who God is to us. You want to understand who God is? Look at Jesus. It's not a different God. The same God of the Old Testament, same God of the New Testament. You want to know who God is? Look at Jesus. He gives you a full revelation of who God is. Amen? Now, we have a a couple of things that I want to cover as as we come into this look over there in in 1 Corinthians let me show you something in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 I want to show you how we receive the power of God in our life. How we receive this victory. How we receive it. It's in verse 18. It says that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is. It is. But unto us which are saved, it's is unto us which are saved it it the cross it is the power of god you find in your life that you have no power you have no victory go back to the cross Remember who you are, remember who He is, and remember what He did for you on Calvary's hill, on Mount Moriah. Remember that you were hopeless, that you were lost, that you were bound for hell. You could not shake your sin. It was stuck to you. But on that cross, Jesus bore our sins. He bore our sorrows, our shame, The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we were healed. It is on the cross that we can partake in that victory. It is what Jesus did on the cross. Praise be to God that the work he did on the cross was a full, complete work. When he said it was finished, he died, he, he was buried. And He rose from the dead. The work that Jesus did on the cross is what wrought or works our victory. That and that alone, it says, I'm going to tell you one more time, unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. It it is the power of God. What Jesus did on the cross is where you will find strength. What Jesus did on the cross is where you will find peace. What Jesus did on the cross is where you will find wisdom. What Jesus did on the cross is where you will find your light to be able to see your victory over your battles. What Jesus did on the cross is where we find the power of God in our lives. Somebody who is, is, is getting beat up and, and is losing sight of what is important needs to take that lonely trip back up to Calvary and kneel down to that cross again and lie there. Lay down all that you are. Lay down all your dreams and aspirations. Lay down everything that's been done wrong to you. Lay down everything you've done wrong to other people and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, asking for forgiveness of your sins and believe that He is God manifest in the flesh, that He died and He rose again and He ever lives to intercede for His people. We have victory through what Jesus did on the cross. There and only there. That is where the power of God lies. That is where God's people will gain traction. You want to see a difference in your prayer life? Go back to the cross. Forget all this other stuff. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy. We're ever learning, but we never understand is what the Bible says. We need to go back to the cross. Always remember, whenever the Pharisees were persecuting the church and Peter and John, one of the things that they said is these guys are ignorant and unlearned men, which hello Don't we feel like that sometimes? They said these guys are ignorant and unlearned men, but there's something that they noticed. They could tell that they had been with Jesus. See, you don't have to be you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be able to to speak Greek. You don't have to be able to, to know systematic theology backwards and forwards. The devil knows more theology than you do. Amen. He knows exactly what heaven looks like and you don't. He's got more theology than you. Amen? So the victory comes not through head knowledge, but through knowing God. Through loving God. Through believing on Jesus, through receiving Him as your Savior. A couple of more points. 1 John chapter 5. I want to show you, I want to show you how to gain victory, and then I'm going to show you what the victory is over. 1 John chapter 5. One of the best chapters in the Bible. 1 John chapter 5. Now, we're going to begin. We're going to only read verse 4. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Let's look at this verse. The Bible says for whatsoever is born of God now before we proceed always remember Jesus is the one who made this language about being born again he said that, that you know you must be born again to see the kingdom of God so what he told nicodemus in john chapter 3 So people say, well, that born-again club, that's not even in the Bible. Well, yeah, it is. Jesus is the one who said it. You must be born again. And here we see that whoever whatsoever is born of God, that's born again, overcometh the world. Now, here's a problem. Here's a dilemma. Because most people don't feel like they have overcome the world. Sometimes, in fact, most of the time, we live more by our feelings than by the truth of the Word of God. But God said that if you are born of Him, if you are born again, you have overcome the world. You are a, po- a partaker in the overcoming work that Jesus wrought. Now, let's be honest. How many days a week do you feel like an overcomer? Probably none. But how many days of the week are you an overcomer? Every day of the week. You're an overcomer not because how you feel. You're an overcomer not because of your work. You're an overcomer not because of the things that you've done. You're an overcomer not because of the things you know. You're an overcomer because of who you are in Christ. You're an overcomer because you're in Him if you're born again. You're an overcomer because you're a child of God. That and that alone is what gives you victory over the world. So it says that uh, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. The Bible says even... When you see even in the King James, you can understand it by knowing it means specifically. You want to know how you gain victory? You want to know how you overcome? It is specifically our work. It is specifically our church attendance. Our giving. Our missions contributions. It is specifically... uh, When was the last time you served on a committee? No. We are overcomers. We gain victory specifically by, only by, our faith. It is God's grace by faith that we are saved. Amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter 2. So we see here that it is our faith and faith alone that gets us in this place of being victorious in Christ. Amen? But you know, whenever, whenever we go through life, there are days that we don't feel victorious. Last time I checked, it's in the Bible. It says we're not to be moved or walk by sight. We walk not by sight, but by what? Faith. Walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. That means... I don't, if I feel good, I don't go up here, and if I feel bad, go down here. I'm called to walk the same way. I'm called to talk the same way. I'm called to stand victorious, not because of how I feel, but because of who He is and what He did. My faith is what puts me in place of victory. Amen? Now, I want to show you the victory that we have in closing. The victory that we have. Because, you remember whenever we started this message, we talked about Jehovah Nissi. God showed Himself as their victor, their banner of victory in the wilderness. They weren't in the promised land yet. But God's promise was to get them to the promised land. You didn't hear what I said. God's promise was to get them to the promised land. And come whatever enemy may, whatever battle they may face, whatever trial or affliction they may endure, whatever lack of water or food or turmoil in the camp they may have, they were still promised the promised land. The promised land was promised to the descendants of Abraham. To the children of God. And though though you and me are still living in a wilderness experience, still living in the wilderness land, God's promise is still sure that He will get us to the promised land. Where we live at today is not our home. This is not all that there is. We live for a continuing city. We live for the land beyond. Amen? We sang this morning, the mansion over the hilltop. Jesus said that if He goes away, He would come back again and get us. He said where He was going, He was going to prepare a home for us. That's the victory. That's the victory, is that He's going to take you from point A to point B. You're in the process of getting to point B. You're in the process of getting home to the promised land. All of God's promises are not just for this life. The greatest promise that we can ever have is to receive and be given eternal life through our faith in Jesus Christ. That's where the truth is. This world is not our home. We are only pilgrims passing through. We get ourselves in a mess when we only... Think about things on this world. Get our, our lives wrapped up in things that are not eternal. Amen. That's right. When you go to heaven, God's not going to ask if you are a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah, right. <laughs> At least I haven't found that verse yet. <clears throat> Don't get so wrapped up in this world that you're no heavenly good. Amen. You're called for the promised land. And look, some of us may be there tonight. Amen. Some of us may enter into the promised land tonight. Some of us may enter into the promised land tomorrow. Some of us may enter into the promised land before 2019 comes. But praise be to God, that's where the true victory lies. The Bible says that when we are absent from the body, we are present with the Lord. And so we know when God calls us home, when this life is over, true life has just begun. We have finally exited the wilderness and we have finally entered into the promised land. Turn with me to... 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to show you this victory and we're going to close. Or we're going to have revival one or the other. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? See, so many people get so wrapped up in this life. Why in the world is the greatest Christian bestseller of our time your best life now? My best life is not now, I can promise you that. My best life is when I exit this world. My best life is yet to come. My best life is eternal life long as I still got to pay Swebco, it's not the best. Because <laughs> praise God, when we get to that heaven, Jesus, the light of the face of Jesus, will light the whole place. Yeah. The sun will be drowned out by the glory of God. Yeah. Yeah. About to get excited. Yeah. Let me show you what this victory is over. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Everybody say victory. Victory. Jesus is your banner of victory. Jesus is your banner of victory. It's not only for our little bobos. It's it's not only for our little battles. It is for that. But the greatest victory is right here. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That is, death. But we shall all be changed. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on in corruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory. Jesus is our banner of victory, and death is only the the beginning of eternal life. Death has been defeated when Jesus raised from the dead. The Bible says, the Bible says that there's going to be a trumpet. And when the trumpet sounds, when the trumpet sounds... We will all be changed from sea to shining sea all over the world. When the trumpet of the Lord sounds, every ear will hear those that are dead and those that are alive. The Bible says when the trumpet of the Lord sounds, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen? Amen. We have a promise of eternal life. This world is not the end. It is only the beginning. It is only a doorway to eternal life for those that are in Christ. The trumpet will sound. Those that are in Christ will be raised up to immortality. When you're raised up in the air, you will not be bragging about your church attendance. When you are lifted up either out of the grave or out of your body, you will not be bragging about all the good things you've done. When you stand before the Lamb of God, when you stand before the Lion of Judah, you will not be bragging about all that you've done. If you even speak, all you'll say is, He did it! The Lamb has overcome! That day, what a glorious day! That's the day of victory. That's the day when we can then say, this is my best life. This is my best life. This is my best life. When I'm standing in His presence. When I'm standing in His presence. Look at these last three verses. Verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? See, before we have victory in Jesus, death has a sting. Before we have eternal life, death has a sting. But we sorrow not like the world sorrows. We sorrow, but not as the world sorrows. Because we have hope that we will see our loved ones again. We have hope that we will meet them on that celestial shore. We have a promise from God that death has been defeated. The Bible says, Death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Because it's been snatched out of you when Jesus rose from the dead. The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God and God alone, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You only have victory because of Jesus. You only have victory because of God's grace. Because God has given grace when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is His victory over death that you partake in by your faith in Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you this in closing Jesus is your banner of victory, this is the victory that He wrought. You and I and everyone else that's ever been born of Adam. Brown, black, white, pink, polka dotted, purple, yellow. You're all of Adam. And you all are swimming downstream to hell. What do you got to do to go to hell? Nothing. You're born... Under condemnation. What do you got to go? What do you got to do to go to heaven? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What did did the Lord Jesus Christ do 2,000 years ago? God sent the Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The Son who never had a beginning and will never have an end came to earth. It says, God manifests in the flesh. When Mary found herself of child by the Holy Ghost, God had visited man. That's why we called Him Emmanuel. Because God was with us. In 33 and a half years, Jesus lived on this earth, lived under the law, fulfilled the law in every form, every fashion. And on the cross, on the cross, They placed Him on the cross. They put the Son of God, the Messiah who was prophesied through Daniel, the Messiah who was prophesied through Zechariah and Malachi and Micah and Isaiah and Genesis, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the Messiah. He was lifted up on that cross just like that brazen serpent. And He paid the price. The innocent Lamb of God The only one whom God ever looked down and said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. The only one. He. The innocent one. We're guilty. We know it. He wasn't. He's the innocent, spotless Lamb of God. And that Lamb of God went to Calvary. I don't believe they had to force His hands out. He was nailed on the cross openly in shame, but spiritually in triumph. And it was on that cross as His blood ran down that cross on Calvary's hill that He purchased our redemption. That He purchased us back from the enemy. And He died as a sacrifice to God. And God raised Him from the dead after three days, early on the first day of the week. We see Jesus victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And God's promise to you and me is eternal life. Eternal life through that victory. That's why we can say, death, where is thy sting? What what problem, what hold has death on us? It doesn't. For when we die, we are present with the Lord. And when the trumpet sounds, we're going to have a reunion with our bodies. Not our old bodies, but our resurrected bodies. That's why 1 John said when we see Him, we'll be like Him. We don't know what we're going to be like, but we know when we see Him, we're going to be like Him. When the trumpet of God sounds... This morning, I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jesus is Jehovah Nissi. He is your banner of victory. The only way that you can stand victorious is through what Jesus did on the cross. Who may receive? Whosoever. God so loved the world that whosoever even somebody who did this, Brother Kenny? Mm-hmm. Even somebody who did that. See, the enemy, the enemy's greatest tactic is to bring condemnation to you. Condemnation tells you that you're not good enough. That you did too much. That you went too far. Everybody else may be able to get saved but you. That's the enemy's tactic. But the Spirit of God, in a still small voice, quietly comes to the seeking heart. It says, come, come. All you who are weary, all you who are heavy laden, come, find rest in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for this morning. Lord, we thank You that You are Jehovah Nissi. That You have given us victory.